Season 10 is here, Butler. Double digits, baby. Calm down. I'm just excited to talk about our whole new slate of films this upcoming season. We've got a Shakespearean adaptation set in the 70s in the world of fast food with Scotland, PA. We're also taking on two sequels to highly popular films in U.S. Marshals and 2010, The Year We Make Contact. But I know you're more excited about our third annual Forgotten Horror. It's my favorite time of the year. Recording October episodes in the dog days of August. Forgotten Cinema, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey there, I'm Mr. Black. And I'm Mr. Green. And we're a couple of guys who met in a comic book store. Together we host the Pint O' Comics podcast, where we invite listeners to join us to talk about movies, TV, comics, music, or just whatever. Starting very soon, we'll be joining up with the fine folks at Forgotten Entertainment, for a special limited series called On the QT, where we talk Tarantino. Every week for 10 weeks, a guest will join us to chat about every Quentin Tarantino movie from Reservoir Dogs to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So join us starting in May 2021. On the QT is available wherever you download your podcasts and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ooh, that's a bingo. Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith. And I'm Andrew Tahada. I am a blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a freelance writer with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a film and its connection to the DC animated movie universe, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This is yet another DC Animated Podcast. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC Animated Podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codenamed Conic Shams. And I am Andrew Zahada, codenamed Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year Hellblazer number 100 dropped. Yep. Constantine stuff. And you know what? Speaking of Constantine stuff, he's got stuff to do in this movie. This big team over cross-up. What do you, what do you think? <laughs> oh, yeah, he is legit trying to survive this apocalyptic war. Apocalyptic war. Why do you say war? Well, because that's the actual name of our film here. Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. We are here. We have made it to the end of our universe. Who knows what's going to happen here? Some people may survive. Some people may not come back. I'm like, Andrew, are, are we coming back? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if after after the events of this movie, if we'll make it through Darkseid's terrible reign. Can we get on his payroll quick enough before he eliminates us? We got to find out. <laughs> and we have a lot of time to spend with this movie because this movie is at a runtime of 90 minutes. And we have some brand new directors here with Matt Peters and Christina Sada. Um, who were put in this loose adaptation of the original story that came out of the New 52 comics that ended their continuity, leading into DC Rebirth and all other names that have come out in the recent years. Our cast is basically everybody and their moms is here. Nobody different. So we're speeding through this because we got to get to who's left (laughs) by the end of this film. (laughs) Let's dive into this film, start off with the title card showing the serenity prayer we're headed all the way back to flashpoint paradox with this one it was a great sign it was a great sign i'll say that because if you're going to end your cinematic universe or a chapter of your cinematic universe there should be some kind of homage to the beginning of it and by having that quote from flashpoint paradox that was so critical and so crucial to that first movie 
it's great to see it come back in this very subtle, understated fashion. And it also has you very worried about what's going to happen next. <laughs> oh, yes. But you know who isn't worried, though? Constantine, because my boy is waking up completely clean shaven and he is waking up next to Zatanna. Apparently, the two of them have now gotten into a committed relationship as they're talking with one another. And, you know, as most couples will see the sunrise, we have the two of them watching the sunrise from space. Yeah, come on, Jeff Bezos, get on it. Look at what Constantine's doing over here with with his magic. But (laughs) this is also a second bad sign, because if you've heard our Constantine review or read any Constantine story, if he's happy, that means things are about to get real sad. Yeah, and we are heading on over because the first sign of things getting bad is there's a call for all Justice League members to head on over to their common area, their meeting room, I, I don't know, their WeWork um, that they have here on the Watchtower. And <laughs> <laughs> they rent it for $100 a month. <laughs> <laughs> and who and who bankrolls it? Batman. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> They're all talking with one another with Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman at the head of the entire area. They're talking about how Darkseid has been treating Earth like his playground all these years. He is responsible for the first invasion that happened all the way back in Justice League War. He is responsible for the quote-unquote death of Superman. He is responsible for the attack that Cyborg Superman led on Earth and Metropolis. So now they're saying that it is time. We are tired of this man always coming into our yard. So they're ready to head on over to Apocalypse and take the fight to Darkseid. And this is a really good complex scene because Superman, you know, unusually is unusually aggressive. You know, he's usually the voice of reason and saying like, maybe we should chill. And Batman too is not usually the kind of guy to start a a full war unless we're talking like Nightmare Zack Snyder version. So this is weird to see them so aggressive. And by contrast, the voices of reason are Flash, who does not want to get involved with this. Constantine, who is saying, you know what, maybe this isn't the right move. And of all people, honorary junior Justice League member Lex Luthor is opposing this plan. Yes, Lex Luthor isn't ready for this plan either. And they have some good reason because it really does seem like this plan is not being well thought through. It really seems like everybody's just trying to attack, attack, attack. And we get a really great shot of just every single member of the Justice League, the reserves, everybody is just there listening to this. We get a really great cameo of the new Wally West Kid Flash in this new 52 reality. But all of that gets pushed to the side because right now we have Constantine, our man who opened his eyes up to this last movie here we have here, also saying that he's not for this plan at all. And, you know, maybe he might have some good reason because along with this crazy Zoom call that's happening, we have a hacker here watching as this plan is unfolding. This is why you guys need ExpressVPN, hashtag not sponsored. But you need it because who's listening in on this entire meeting but Darkseid himself? He is observing the plan. He knows they're coming for him. And Darkseid, just like Batman, you do not want to give this dude prep time because he will use it in horrific ways as the League quickly finds out. Yes, as they get onto the Javelin, so we are finally getting a chance to see the Justice League ship. They are traveling through space. Everything seems to be going great. Systems are a go. As they hyper jump over to Apocalypse, 
they see a swarm coming from the planet and not just any swarm. As we saw in Justice League War, where it's just parademons, it is more monstrous versions of these beings. And then at that moment, the entire ship gets taken over and we jump to a black screen revealing the name of our movie here, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. It's such an effective opening. We've seen good openings and bad openings in this universe. (laughs) And uh, this is one of the best because not only do we not know what happens to the heroes, but just like Avengers Endgame, it immediately throws us into a time skip where it's two years later, the Earth looks just absolutely wrecked. And we don't know what's happened to any of the heroes in that time since, since the battle. We just got cut off in the middle. And as a side note for anyone who's like, oh, so this movie copied off Avengers Endgame. No, this movie came out in 2020. So it had years of animation. So maybe there might be some similarities, sure. But it is completely coincidental that those two plots happened at the same time. And we get a chance to see what is happening to some of our heroes here, by which I mean Constantine, who has grown back his five o'clock shadow, though at this point it's looking like a little a little past midnight for this, <laughs> this beard here, as he and our favorite lyrical demon Etrigan are inside of a pub. They are making their way through all the whiskey that's available. They're made it to the G's now, and they're about to start H. And they're just having a good old time in the, you know, the apocalypse here on Earth when they get interrupted by two individuals walking in. One who is a very malnourished looking raven and then another who is a man with glowing green eyes. For the final movie, we have one jacked guy and the jacked guy and raven are like, look, Constantine, we could really use your help. And before they can really get into the nitty gritty details, a bunch of parademons come flying into the bar totally interrupting the mood and killing the buzz and our jack guy here is the one and only clark kent we can't call him superman because it seems that during this fight he's unable to actually fend off the parademons that are attacking them all right now in the pub so and i gotta say i love this i love this fight here because as they're going back and forth and just really pulling out all their magic and, you know, non-super strength and all of that. Estragon is still at the bar holding his mug. His stein is well in his hand. And all he's doing is just firing off breaths of fire whenever a parademon gets a little too close to him. So I love it. I love the unbotheredness of Estragon. Can't be bothered. I love it. Yeah, he's a a great guy. He's an icon. (laughs) So... As they're just trying to fend off, luckily, magic here saved the day. But also, dark magic is really stressing out Raven, as Trigon seems to have really grown in power over these past couple of years. And is forcing Raven to just, well, basically just putting her in a constant state of of hearing disapproval on his end about why haven't you taken over the world yet? Which is not a good question, because given the fact that Darkseid has now taken over the world. So... Constantine decides that, you know, they need to go to someplace a bit quieter. And his idea of going to someplace a bit quieter is the ruins of Big Ben, where he now holds his magical lair. Can't be mad at him, especially if the rent's so low. Might as well. And it's here where we get some insight into what happened. And the results are not pretty. During the major assault they did two years ago, 
the Justice League ran into paradooms, which are exactly what they sound like, hybrids of parademons and doomsday, which spelt doom for everyone, nearly everyone. We see gruesome images of Hawkman, our favorite DC hero Hawkman, getting torn apart by these <laughs> by these beasts. We see Shazam was injured. We see Martian Manhunter, yeah, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, all uh, of them, all of them, just meeting these terrible fates. A lot of our heroes died here, but the worst thing that happened was that a lot of our heroes also survived to now be tortured and warped by the power that is that dark side possesses batman was hooked up to the mobius chair for uh dc comic fans you'll recognize this as a fourth world object created by jack kirby this allows the person to have all the knowledge about everything within the universe then we also saw that cyborg got his arms ripped off we don't know where what happened to him but to just see once again that Cyborg has just been constantly dismantled once again throughout this universe is just heartbreaking. And we also see that Superman, upon getting captured, in order to no longer be a threat, he gets tattooed with liquid kryptonite with his Superman emblem on his chest so that Darkseid can ensure that there is no way that Superman will ever rise up against him again. But the most heartbreaking story to come out of this battle was what John Constantine had to see before he ran away. Yeah, so John Constantine and Zatanna, really happy couple, but not so happy ending because during the battle, Zatanna was swarmed by Paradooms, being devoured, and Constantine, he just can't wrap his mind around it, but he, he ran, he just ran, and he just couldn't figure out what was going on. Why did he do that? And it still haunts him. You can see he's not happy that he survived. He has a lot of survivor's guilt and thus the heavier drinking than usual for him. And he spiraled into this depressive state. So everyone is really at their lowest point. And Superman hints, hey, things can get worse unless you, Constantine, find Damian Wayne with a locator spell because we're hoping that if we can get Damian, we can get Batman, and maybe save what's left of the world. And what happened to Batman exactly? Well, Batman, once again, got hooked up to the Mobius chair and now warped his mind to the point where he's now a disciple of Darkseid. He is joined with Granny Goodness and Desaad, who don't make an appearance in this film, but he is now Darkseid's right-hand bat. As he's talking with Darkseid, our new evil Batman is talking about how planet Reapers have been sent to Earth to engage in the last steps of the complete and total control of Earth. Darkseid just seems to be pleased with this plan. He's also making plans that he's ready to continue his stretch over the galaxy. He's planning to head over to other planets, such as Oa. And like a good project manager, I guess, he decides to check in with his new lackey here on Earth, Lex Luthor, to see how things are moving along, to get a proper insight on everything. And Lex is just shook honestly, at this new Batman. There's fear in his voice, and all Lex could really ask about is, how can I be of better service to Darkseid to ensure that even though this seems like the Earth is about to be destroyed, what can I do to ensure that my survival is happening? Which Batman tells him, don't 
don't worry about these kinds of things. So there's definitely such a crazy level of dynamic between these two now because it it is very similar to what we've seen in past films. But so a lot of characters have either been knocked down the peg or increased in terms of just like their <laughs> evilness. So as this is happening, uh, Raven teleports everybody over to where Damien is located, where now our new Justice League team, quote unquote, has to face off against Lady Shiva and a gang of assassins who look like they came straight out of the Uchiha clan. Luckily, the ninjas are not as fearsome as Sasuke, but they give the heroes a pretty good fight. And we get to see a lot of creative choreography here. And again, top-notch fight scenes throughout. But here we get to see Superman again, without his powers, having to be saved by Constantine, which is something I never thought I would see in any film ever when it wasn't just like magic, just like a regular dude Superman being saved by Constantine. It's crazy. And Etrigan, he's still bored. He's still, (laughs) these ninjas are doing nothing for him. He's like, ah, can we get through the the filler content of this Uchiha arc already? Get to the real fight? Even Lady Shiva herself can give him no challenge. And after a hectic fight, who should bring it to the end? But the new leader of the League of Assassins, the Bat Hound. Also, Damian Wayne, I guess, is also a co-leader in that situation as well. But you gotta admit, Bat Hound knows how to operate in the shadows, man. The way oh, he man. came through, whoo, so clean. So- <laughs> Damian, as soon as he sees Superman, he is pissed. He is ready to draw his sword and attack on sight. But he catches Raven off in the distance where she is now collapsed once again from the stress that her father has been putting on to her. He learns from this conversation that Trigon has been truly, once again, just tormenting Raven. And it's because Raven was there when she saw all of her friends fall during the attack on Earth. After our heroes were taken out on Apocalypse, Darkseid decided to send his forces down to Earth where the Teen Titans were basically the last line of defense. And I got to say, this is one of the most gruesome scenes where, you know, it's it was really just not that much happened, but just to see the aftermath of it all. Because one of the things that happened was Starfire was ripped apart, along with new hero Bumblebee. Nightwing and Damien, they decide to team up against one of the Paradooms. Unfortunately, they were unable to take it down as Damien gets pushed away. And as he tries to recover, he sees Nightwing get stabbed right through the heart by one of these Paradooms. And an explosion sends Damien into the water, falling to what could have been his death, but he's able to catch himself and escape. Yes, and unfortunately, he didn't bring Dick with him because we see that Damien tried to bring Dick back with the Lazarus pit. But unfortunately, he waited too long and Dick is completely insane. We get a scene of Nightwing just in a straitjacket, like he's out of Arkham Asylum and Damien just lamenting the fact that he couldn't save his brother. This moment is such a such a tragic way to end the arc of them becoming close them becoming brothers and accepting their position in the family it's such a tragic way to bring it to a close and shows how really attached they were to each other but unfortunately nightwing was another casualty in this dark side war and 
as they're lamenting, Superman is just pleading for Damien to help. And we get this great line where Damien says, you know, if I can't save my father from brainwashing, I'll end him. He would want that. Mm-hmm. It's, again, just another great way to bring another Damien relationship full circle. He's willing to take that responsibility if it means freeing his father. Yes. So now our team now has Damian Wayne in tow and they decide it's time to meet up with the rest of the members of their team as we head on over to meet up with Lois Lane, who has now joined the Suicide Squad in the Fight Club. (laughs) I mean, again, it's not something I expected, but it's something I strangely was at no problem with once I saw it because (laughs) Lois is in the ring with Harley Quinn and she's throwing hands. Oh, man, I knew that Lois Lane was tough, but her right hook is even tougher. This is what I love right here about the portrayal of Lois in this universe, because honestly, honestly, she has done so much more compared to her DCEU counterpart. Their fighting is a wonderfully animated scene where now we get a chance to see that Lois Lane wins when she takes the tasers that Harley had pulled out and is able to shock her. While also the rest of our team here, Constantine has a little little beef with Captain Boomerang here, which I love because it's just like, I, I never knew that there was this much bad blood between Aussies and, and people from London. But if this is true, I love it. I am here for it. I will watch <laughs> this next fight in the fight club that we have here. But going back, Lois has won. She now apparently has won the respect of the Suicide Squad, which Harley Quinn is now in charge of. So... This means that at dawn, they ride. So during this meetup with the Suicide Squad, we get a couple of fun interactions. We see Constantine looking over to Harley Quinn and King Shark and going, oh no, is there my ex? And Raven's like, what? You, you dated Harley Quinn? And he's like, are you crazy? And it's implied he dated King Shark? <laughs> Which I mean, look, Constantine, he's hooked up with a city. A couple demons. I mean, King Shark is pretty normal in comparison. I mean, I guess that's true. That is true. And we get a chance now that our team is coming together. Another fun moment is Raven, once again, is feeling a bit weak. So Damien asked for, is there a place for them to rest? And I love was the cheetah's comment. I was like, oh, is that is that what we're these kids are calling it today? And it was like, what were you implying, ma'am? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so as they go to a separate room while the rest of the team heads on over to regroup and talk about the next stage of their plan, Raven and Robin have a great heart to heart about what happened to them during the period of the two years that they were separated. Raven shares that she came into contact with Superman because once the battle had ended over at Titan's Tower, she saw that all her friends were gone, including Damien. So she knew that her feelings were going to bubble up in the sense that like she, because of her empathic powers that Trigon was going to be able to build on that. And she was already feeling Trigon clawing in her mind. So she attempted to commit suicide, but Superman was able to stop, come in and stop her right on time as they began their two year journey of trying to figure out what their next stages were. Robin, on the other hand, told her that, he had to get away because he had to protect her. And 
it's in this moment where the two of them finally, finally share that they love each other. And I got to say, this is such a great payoff in developing a relationship. The DCAMU knows how to develop a relationship when it's not Superman and Wonder Woman. It's hard to believe. It's just hard to believe. They can pull it off. <laughs> and I just love the fact that the two of them were willing to sacrifice joy with one another as such a just understand that concept at a young age. Like they were both troubled individuals who didn't really have a care for another person because they kept thinking about what I'm doing or who I am can't af- afford to experience life and love in this way. To now have it be that the two of them have found each other and at this end of the world scenario, like, you know, it's typical in storytelling to do this kind of thing. But at the same time, it plays so well for the two of them because we got a chance to see that growth over pretty much eight films or so. So this is why I kudos to the writing on this relationship. It was definitely not my the pairing that i would have thought of when it first happened because we're always seeing raven and beast boy and that being the relationship but kudos to the writing on this because it truly made sense yeah and it is a great setup to what's going to come next and things are not looking too hot as for this new relationship because lois and superman give another horrifying PowerPoint presentation where they reveal <laughs> that Darkseid essentially has three machines, three world engine machines that if they are not destroyed in time before they har- harvest Earth's magma, it's game over. Just game over for everybody. And there's a, a nice little beat where during the presentation, someone's like, because they're splitting off and they're going to attack two of the machines while a group goes into the main base and tries to get to Apocalypse at the same time, tries to get to Batman. So they're like, why don't we attack all three machines and assault the base? And Lois goes, we don't have enough people. Damn. Yeah, that's true because we're, we're basically just seeing the people in this room and we see some of them pop up in the battle. And apparently we also have somebody working in secret alongside with Lois Lane. Somebody has been feeding her information from Dark Side's camp. So as they head on over to start the mission, we get a chance to see, you know, the, the heroes who are left. Like we have Steels and Superboy teaming up with Shazam, who now has a thunder leg, which is like I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, sure. OK. <laughs> Um, and then we got a chance to see that the Bat family is attacking another one of these planet Reapers. We got Batgirl, Batwoman, Batwing. Um, you know, just I, I guess they were they, they had to come through. Uh, yeah, you know, the Bad Bud rejects needed something to do. So why not? Why not have them <laughs> attack a machine? And just to round up the squad, Constantine comes up with a last minute idea to say, hey, I know one guy who might be a little pissed about this world any machine he goes to swamp thing and says yo they're coming for your green and you know you do not come for swamp things green so he decides to solo shot a machine by himself he he understood the assignment because he has paradooms and paradigm is coming after him and they just can't hold a candle to the man that's all about the green now this gives them some time to keep 
Lex's tower distracted and all of his forces distracted that they decide to now storm the castle. We get so many more people are being taken out. Lady Shiva, who came through, she gets taken out. Cheetah is also taken out. We also have that Lex has decided to call on to Batman to try to send some more reinforcement with some more parademons and paradooms. Unfortunately, they're all eating Lex's people. So, and I, I love this joke that Lex had about how furious HR was going to be at the end of this. Like, is there even an HR left? Who is here? <laughs> even in the apocalypse, the HR department is still there. <laughs> taking care of our workers. <laughs> so as they are storming this castle and Lex decides to join the fight himself in his own giant robo suit from the Death of Superman movie, Darkseid has made his plans to head over to Oa. He tells Batman that do not let him be disturbed as he is, you know, this is the one of the last stages of his conquest of the of the galaxy here. So he really wants to revel in and enjoy all of this. So as this is all going down, we see more and more of our heroes getting taken out. Batgirls killed, Superboys killed. Shazam goes out in a blaze of glory, it looks like. But fortunately, one villain that got taken down was Lex Luthor, who then reveals that he was the one all along feeding information to Lois Lane. Yeah, this one is a pretty obvious no duh here. Like, yeah, it was, <laughs> who else was it gonna be? Like Deathstroke? Like, <laughs> I don't know what if this was supposed to be a twist, but um, yeah, he's the mole. No, and, it was Tusk all along. Oh, it was Tusk. Oh, of course, <laughs> Tusk. Oh my God! Or that that random gangster from uh, Reign of oh, Superman. Snakey Doyle. Snakey Doyle. It was Snakey Doyle. <laughs> Oh, man, I hope they made it. But in any case, Lex is the mole, and he decides he kind of wants to live on Earth for a little bit while longer. So he, in a really cool and nice poetic sequence, he helps the heroes out by giving them some kryptonite weapons. Robin gets a cool kryptonite sword. Superman gets a whole, his own Lex crypto suit, which is just mm. so cool to see. And he says his final farewells to Lois, as he and a small team of remaining heroes go to Apocalypse, the Suicide Squad stays back to guard the portal. And the first thing our heroes encounter when they get to Apocalypse is their old friends twisted beyond recognition. Yes, this is quite a sight because they are welcomed by the new furies of Apocalypse. We have uh, Starfire, we have Aquawoman or Mira, we have Hawkman, Martian Manhunter. They've all been warped and turned into kind of like how Cyborg Superman was into these more monstrous beings that are very similar animalistic compared to their actual abilities. And leading the charge for these Furies is a Cyborg Wonder Woman, who is such a shame that after her movie, where it's just like you set her up with you know, that like her biggest villain was going to be capitalism, that now she's just a agent of dark side. It's it's just it was just so bad. But she is giving everybody the work as they all leap towards taking down our heroes. But as this is happening, Oa is now being just basically torn apart. Dark side has made his way through and it's just killing Green Lanterns left and right. 
And I got to say, this was the saddest death of all, probably, in my opinion. Well, at least for this at this point so far. Yeah, because Jon Stewart is trying to crawl to that lantern, trying to get one last boost of power. And as he's crawling desperately, bleeding, ragged, Darkseid says, yo, Batman, can you send some magma over here? I, I want to I make a point just real quick. And Jon Stewart almost completes the oath, almost gets recharged. And right as he's about to finish the oath, lava and magma lands on the lantern. It burns out the lantern. It burns Jon to a crisp. And there's nothing left but the ring. At this point, too, it doesn't even fly off. So it just shows right there that the Green Lanterns are dead. As we jump back over to Apocalypse, our heroes are trying to fend off the Furies. And we finally get the chance to see that Etrigan gets his moment. He finally faces off against Wonder Woman, who he sees to be the greatest swords person to fight in this universe to end it all. Yeah, and he gives a valiant fight, again, well choreographed. And although he doesn't win, he gets a sword to the gut. He goes out with a smile. He's really satisfied that this is how his thousands of years of life end with with one last glorious battle. And after he falls to his doom, Constantine, in a creative method, uses the lasso to wrap around Wonder Woman and make her see through her brainwashing using the lasso of truth. And it's just enough to bring Wonder Woman back to us. And she offers to fight the rest of the Furies by herself as the rest of the team goes on to the next horrifying phase of this mission. And just when you thought I couldn't get any worse, we get to the apocalypse world energy source. And most people use solar power or heat because, I mean, this thing is basically just a living sun. But yeah, a couple of AA batteries. Yeah. <laughs> you know, USB cable or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little charger box. But no, we don't have any of that because we have Barry Allen, the Flash, our hero from the very beginning of our series here. He is on the cosmic treadmill and powering up all of Apocalypse like a hamster in a wheel. Yeah, and they free him. And it's implied that he's been running for like two years, just nonstop. The cardio. (laughs) I mean, he must, his thighs must be amazing. And as they're just trying to slow him down, they're just trying to slow him down because he's just too used to vibrating. We see Constantine go into Flash's memories and he briefly sees Flashpoint. So again, if it wasn't obvious we were bringing it full circle, This moment definitely brings it all together. It's now Constantine knows that Flash has altered the timeline and may in some way be responsible for this in some kind of really worked way. So that's on everyone's minds. But again, there's no time to think about that because uh, it's time to meet Cyborg again. Oh, man. And as we mentioned, there are many heroes that died in the beginning of our film, but also there were many heroes that survived and faced a fate worse than death and cyborg was one of them cyborg has been hooked up to the wall of apocalypse the source wall the wall that contains all the information that is needed to run apocalypse and 
in bigger stages in the DC universe, this is the wall that bridges realities here. To have now that Darkseid has taken Cyborg and turned him into, again, another one of his quote-unquote disciples here, Cyborg is able to break out of his mind control because the Constantine has so much magic. Like this, he decides to use tech magic. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> like, is it what is it what the the, the Apple Genius Bar does? Because like, <laughs> I think so. I think that's what they're trained in techno techno magic. <laughs> so Constantine's able to break the brainwashing, and they're able to talk and figure out that. Cyborg can't get out of the wall. He can't get pulled out. There's not enough left of him here. And as they're just talking about what a plan could look like now, being that there's so few of them, and given the revelation that they just saw with Barry, we have Darkseid and Batman making their way into the temple for the final boss battle. And this is a doozy because Batman is completely under Darkseid's sway. So he is calling Damien out <laughs> as a child he never wanted. He took some Damien savagery lessons in this speech and the two start fighting and Damien is giving Batman work. But remember, guys, this is Batman. So you're not going to beat him in a straight hand to hand unless you're God. So Damien is at the back foot. He can't beat his dad and his dad is about to kill him but he just can't do it in a much better version of the scene from bad blood. Batman (laughs) just can't find himself to slay his son. And he decides to turn his sword on dark side, go straight for the eye. But the thing is dark side, he's not a fan of that. Not, not one bit. No, he isn't. And we have now that dark side shows his true power in which he unleashes the Omega beams from his eyes. And as it makes its way over to Batman, Damien gets up and jumps in between. And it, there are so many callbacks that this is pulling from, so many comic book references. Damien's body, you see it deteriorate in front of our eyes as he just basically is dying in his father's arms. Raven is shocked and she doesn't know what to do except unleash all of her grief. And at this moment, there is a this is a callback to a moment earlier in the film. Raven and Constantine are talking and Raven says that, you know, if there's a moment in which Trigon might come out, he will destroy everything. He will stop us. He will not let us defeat Darkseid. So if this happens, I need you to take me out. And Constantine agrees to do so because Constantine is that kind of guy. As he pulls up the magical weapon necessary to take down Raven. He instead throws it at her head, which dislodges the gem that she has in her forehead. And Trigon has now come out in this very kind of like specter, smoky-like state. And Constantine has come to bargain because he starts talking to Trigon, telling him that, hey, you know, we have a better vessel here with me. I have all this magical power. Join with me right now so we can take out this asshole named Uxus. Trigon's like, I see your point, but no. And earlier, when Darkseid arrived, he instantly one-shotted Superman's Lex suit with an Omega Oof. Beam. So now <laughs> right. Superman is completely unguarded. So Trigon decides to possess Superman 
And in doing so, it burns out the kryptonite. And now you have a Kryptonian with magical Trigon strength. And then one of the first things he decides to do with all this is snap Constantine's neck. Because it's evil. Because he's just an evil guy. I don't know if you guys knew it, but this guy's evil. And now that Constantine's out of the way, he's like, these hands are all for free. And I'm giving an all-day special to Darkseid. <laughs> and luckily, Darkseid had a coupon, too. Because, <laughs> whoo, man. The beatdown that Darkseid was getting. Like, I thought Wonder Woman gave him the one-two back in Justice League War. But, oh, man, I, uh, I, I'm just surprised. Super Devil here is just whooping Darkseid's ass. And as the two of them are fighting, we jump back over to Earth. Where basically the tower, Lexus Tower is being taken down. We see like for a quick second, which I was shocked that it just like happened that we just moved along. Lex died as well. He gets impaled. <laughs> yeah, Lex dies. Bane's dead. The rest Ooh. of the Suicide Squad is pretty much living up to their name. And it looks like it's the end for Lois as well, who was on that team and about to explode the tower. So she manages to reach out to the communicator through like amazing... 5g internet connection (laughs) and batman gets the message he is now broken free from the brainwashing after seeing his son meet such a gruesome fate and he decides to broadcast a message to superman it is so heartbreaking to see superman miles away from lois because he was in lois's arms dying during death of superman but now he can't even hold lois as she's about to meet her gruesome fate and he watches her die and that shock breaks him out and he forces trigon out of his body and as soon as trigon comes out dark side's like nope not doing that again and it puts trigon in this like omega breeding prison because apparently they can do that it might be like Steven Universe, honestly. Oh, yeah, like the bubble thing. <laughs> yeah. And Superman's like, oh, oh, you thought this beating was over. <laughs> no, 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 sir. And he starts giving Darkseid the work. It is glorious. We can feel the catharsis of just Superman being able to beat on this man who's rendered him powerless for years. Now he's going to wish he killed him because Superman is not holding anything back yes and as we're now trying to figure out what to do batman and cyborg are talking and they realize that the only person who could figure out what to do at this point is constantine who we pan over and see that he's still dead on the ground and he wakes up in a he- in heaven now he sees zatanna and the two of them are talking there and zatanna reveals to him that he should not feel bad for what happened. The only reason why he ran was because Zatanna compelled him to run. She reveals to him that Batman had a backup plan that required for Constantine to survive. And Constantine is just, has accepted his fate. It's even through talking all of this stuff with Zatanna, he's just like, you know what? I'm happy to be here. I made it to heaven. I can't believe it. What strings did you have to pull? So it's great to see that Constantine's having this one moment of joy. It was he's gone through his journey with Justice League Dark and his own film, City of Demons. But Zatanna tells him that, unfortunately, it isn't his time yet. 
and that he must go and she must stay behind. As Constantine instantly snaps back, while at the same time, Raven has unleashed her new powers of being able to heal people with her tears because the power of love gives Raven her white Azeroth Raven suit where she's also able to bring back Damien and I guess by extension, Constantine. This was a little confusing for me. Yeah, she just had a couple of max revives in her pocket. She wasn't right. using. So I think that's just what had happened. Okay. And yeah, so in any case, they're restored. Robin's restored. Constantine's back. And now they're figuring out what the hell are they going to do? How can they possibly overcome? And Cyborg reveals that he can send Apocalypse to basically nowhere along with Darkseid. They just need to get him in the right position. They just need to keep him busy. So in a bizarre decision, but crazy enough to work, they release Trigon from his prison once more. And Trigon, in the most fatherly thing he's ever done, decides <laughs> to stay back and fight Darkseid so that his daughter and the others can get off the planet in time. So once again, in this continuous like hour of beating up Darkseid, Trigon goes, takes over, tags out Superman, and <laughs> the, most of the heroes get to flee. But Cyborg, who is too attached to the source wall, cannot go with them. So our heroes escape, leaving Cyborg to say his signature catchphrase. Yes, and this, I loved it. I couldn't couldn't wait for it anymore. anymore. I'm surprised that we had to wait so long in our universe to hear it because Cyborg said, suck it, bitches. Yes. Yeah, that's his catchphrase. Heard it first in Teen Titans, probably, but now it's finally here. Yep. It's finally, finally <laughs> here. <laughs> oh, I'm so bad. We had one moment. Might have, it might have been nice for a moment for a booyah, but you know, we get what we get. Yeah. <laughs> so here we are. All the heroes are on Earth, and they find out, although they put up a valiant effort, it still doesn't look good for the planet. Things are probably not going to improve. And you see all these heroes just broken and defeated mm-hmm. and just ready to hand in the towel. You see Starfire, you know, disfigured. You see all of them weeping, just trying to figure out what they're going to do next. Constantine goes over to Flash and says, you know what you have to do. And this moment, I don't know about you, this blew my mind because I realized Constantine had seen the vision, had to survive because he needs Flash to do another Flashpoint. This is just gold. (laughs) This is just gold. I'm glad that we had this moment for Constantine to do it because He has honestly gone through the worst of all of our heroes here. He has lost love of his life. He, in a previous movie, he lost his best friend. Before that, he had an idea, you know, he was a lost individual that has some sense of friendship. And as his journey just kept progressing, he just kept losing all of that. So we got the chance to see that, like, here we have Constantine's able to, to maybe, just maybe, not only do something good for himself, but do something good for the greater good. So Flash stands up. He, he's a little worried that, you know, word of his Flashpoint adventures will get back to Iris 
I, I guess, you know, like a typical husband worried about his wife catching him doing something wrong. And as he's getting up, we have our triumphant music playing. As he's picking up speed, running across the water, heading into the horizon to start it all back. Because what Constantine says really struck him here in which Flash shares that he doesn't know what he's going to do will actually change anything. But Constantine shows him once again, the crowd of people that he has here behind them, that whatever it is, it's going to be a hell of a lot better than what we're seeing right here. Yes. And those final words are just enough for Barry to run into the distance. And this light envelops everyone, everyone with different emotions, different reactions to seeing this light. It just envelops them. And before we fade to black, we fade to white on what has been 16 movies of a shared universe coming to an end with the hope that next time around, things will have a better ending. (sighs) Apocalypse War had us wondering what this universe was going to be like. Would it be full of longtime heroes again, or is it just a bunch of people freelancing and trying to save the day again? And speaking of heroic freelancers, let's talk about our affiliate partner, Fiverr. Do you need a freelancer to help you with your website or WordPress site? Or an expert presentation designer to help with that big work project? Or maybe you just need someone to write expert articles and blogs for that website. Look no further than the number one freelance marketplace, Fiverr. You can find designers, programmers, and more from seconds, some for as low as $5 per gig. Fiverr is the ideal tool to help you with your pressing projects. Just post your gig or search for freelancers and you're off to the races. Don't deal with the hassle of finding freelancers yourself. Let Fiverr help you. See the link in the description of this episode to get started. Please note that yet another DC animated podcast is an affiliate partner of Fiverr. We may receive commissions on purchases and services you buy after you click the link below. These commissions help support the growth of yet another DC animated podcast. So we appreciate your continued support. All right, so that was our film and a little bit from our super freelancers, Fiverr. So we gotta we gotta give the rating here for our film, man. Like I yeah, how many smiling, triumphant faces of the demon warrior Etchigran would you give this out of ten? Oh man, you know I gotta do it proud for my boy, the lyrical genius himself. This is a ten out of ten film for me, man. It is clear that they knew what to do with these characters to wrap up their stories. Like, everybody had a closing moment. I mean, granted, kind of wish that Cyborg said the <laughs> Cyborg said the thing. Sure. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I'm just loving the fact that everybody had a closing moment. Even Damien and Raven are able to share a kiss. And they knew what they were doing in terms of trying to wrap this story up because... I honestly was not expecting for Constantine to be our hero in this film. You know, we spent so much time with Damian Wayne and like the building of his story, but it was clear that at a certain point, his story was done. So who do we bring in to be the person for us? And I am so glad it is not Batman. It is. It was so great to have it that Constantine, our newcomer here into this universe and pretty much to the animated world, because he he had a lot going on for him during these last couple of years that these films were being produced. So to have it that Constantine was the one that saved the day, I loved it. I love the fact that 
you know, they they show the world in which our heroes actually lost. Because I think that it's always common to jump in and just say that, like, you know, no matter how dire it may look, that dire moment always happens towards the end. It's like at the very beginning, we were saying, like, shit, we're 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 all messed up here. Like the world is going to be destroyed. There's no way to actually win, but we can do one thing to step up a bit more to at least try to gain some semblance of peace. And I loved it. It reminds me so much of what the journeys that a lot of these crisis comics do, which this really truly felt like for an hour and a half long film, they really knocked it out the park with creating a crisis film. I a hundred percent agree. It's, this is a 10 out of 10. It's not only a good movie in its own right. And though you absolutely should watch what came before, so you're really invested in it, it does stand on its own as its own film. It juggles all these characters, all these motivations, all these long-running plot lines so, so well. And it does so while giving us such a satisfying conclusion to all these stories, everything that came before. And on a very meta and real note, this film was released in 2020, guys. 2020. We all know what 2020 was. Yeah. <laughs> and in a year where everyone could use a boost of hope, strangely, this dark, desolate movie says that, yes, things can get bad, but there is always hope. If you're willing to fight, if you're willing to step into that darkness just one more time, maybe this is the time you're going to break through. And maybe this is the time you'll find the right person to help you. Maybe this is the time that you find your bright light again. And it was just so great to have this movie, especially in the time where you had little else to do, to have such a fantastic film come to us and have closure and great development, great action. This is, I don't know what else you could put in the movie because there's no alterations. No RT alteration could make this movie better. If I could eliminate bad blood from the canon retroactively, that'd be great. But, you know, that's that has nothing to do with this fantastic movie. But <laughs> in, in all seriousness, this is a this is a top tier movie. This definitely deserves to be regarded as one of the best of any DC animated movie. I, I think it just holds up so well on its own. And it also brings it full circle for us, because now that we've done 16 of these movies it's time for us to have our flashpoint moment and really start over in a new world yes i am very excited because again we have run along with flash here we are rejoining him we're going to continue on and i gotta say that i am very happy for what we're thinking about doing next we're going to actually stop this podcast here, this episode here of talking about Justice League Apocalypse War, because we really wanted to give this this moment to shine. Next week, we're going to be releasing just more information about what helped to inspire this film. And more importantly, the best watching order from your yet another DC animated podcast host here, what we felt is the best watching order for this film series. And we're going to continue on because we have a lot of great content coming up after that. So definitely stay tuned to our social media pages to make sure that you see what's coming next because this journey is going to be wild. We are very excited for it and glad to have these heroes coming along with us too. Yes, uh, these are people we've been around since our childhood and we're, we're glad to have fun just talking about them with you guys every week. 
And we are so excited for all, we have some crazy ideas, some crazy ideas for what can come next. Maybe it's going to be some holiday specials. Maybe there's going to be some voice interviews. Maybe we're going to do Death in the Family live streamed. Who knows? We might get crazy with it. But all you really need to know is we're not going anywhere. We're going to continue rolling on this crazy train we're on. Season two, officially. Though we won't say what we're going to do yet. Stay to do social media to find out. But season two is going to start in November. But until then... Don't worry. We got plenty of content to keep you busy. Yes. So definitely remember, take care of yourselves. And if you need to reset the universe, make sure that you have a remote because that remote is definitely necessary to watch through these these movies all over again, as well as the rest of the content that we're going to be covering on our podcast here. And if you don't have a double A battery for your remote, don't put Flash in a treadmill. Just go to the store. Just get new ones. (laughs) Sicko. (laughs) 